the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's our final look at the betrayal of Jesus, His gospel, and communion. All straight ahead, here on Abounding Grace. Join us. Again, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We continue with our survey of Luke, and today it's our final look at our mini-series called The Betrayal of Jesus, His Gospel, and Communion. It's part three, and we're in Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 13. Here now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, once again, Pastor Gary Wagner. Roman Catholicism takes these words literally. This is my body, this is my blood. And although a lot of Roman Catholics don't know what they are supposed to believe, and sometimes they are shocked when you tell them, nevertheless, it is official Roman Catholic doctrine that in the Mass, when the bread and the wine are consecrated by the church, some miracle takes place, and that bread and that wine are transubstantiated. Just a big word for that it is literally as far as the essence of the bread and the wine consecrated, that they are the physical body and the physical blood of Jesus. That's all that transubstantiation means. Now, you can't have Catholic doctrine without Aristotle because they make a distinction between the bread and the real body and the blood and the real blood. Because, you see, the bread looks like bread. It doesn't change. All the characteristics are the same, but it's not really bread, they say. Really? At heart, once the miracle in the Mass is performed, it's nothing other than the physical body and the physical blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they say. So that when the communicant eats the Lord's Supper, he is chewing with his teeth and his tongue and his mouth the literal flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which then literally goes into their stomach. And if you think that's an exaggeration, let me read to you from the Roman Catholic book entitled Basic Catholicism. It says, The word of consecration tell us that the Eucharist is the body and the blood of Christ and is offered in sacrifice. Transubstantiation is the changing of the entire substance of bread and wine into Christ's body and blood. And this takes place at Mass, or their place of worship, at the words of consecration. Just simple words from the priest. Now notice two monstrous teachings here. And I use the word monstrous deliberately. First of all, it says, the bread and the wine are literally and miraculously transformed into the literal physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you eat him. Then secondly, in the Eucharist of the Mass, Christ is offered as a sacrifice on the altar, which is 
what they call the location where that mass takes place. They believe Christ is literally sacrificed there. Listen to their catechism. The mass or Eucharist celebration is the sacrifice of the cross taking place today on our altars. Christ renews the sacrifice of the cross in the Mass in an unbloody manner for our sake. But the sacrifice of Calvary, by the sacrifice of Calvary, we mean Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, which is renewed in every Eucharist celebration. The main purpose of the Mass is to ask for forgiveness and to atone for sin. So there is the monstrosity. When the priest performs a miracle, and you eat Jesus' flesh and blood, and when the Mass is performed anywhere in the world, they say Christ is sacrificed all over again. That's why it's called the sacrifice of the Mass. They say the sacrifice is repeated every time in their worship service. Now notice two things. Number one, in Hebrews 9 it says... Once for all, once for all, he obtained eternal redemption for all whom he died. That the death of the Lord Jesus Christ was so perfect and so complete, it did everything that needed to be done to save his people the moment he died. And there is not one more drop of blood that needs to be shed or an extension of that sacrifice to be made. Once for all, he obtained eternal redemption for us by his death on the cross. But now here's the other thing. They say Christ is sacrificed over and over and over again every time the mass is performed. But they say it's a bloodless sacrifice. Beloved, what good is a bloodless sacrifice? Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That is why they call this area an altar. It means to make change. Now, I'll show you how Roman Catholicism has crept into the Protestant church in all kinds of ways. And this is in fundamentalism as well as liberalism. Historically, in Protestant churches, the pulpit... This right here, this area, was the central highest point in the sanctuary, just as it is here. The sacraments were on the Lord's table beneath it as a testimony, as a testimony to the authority of the Word of God. If you go into many churches today, you have a divided chancellery. You have a large pulpit off to the side where the sermon is preached, and a smaller pulpit on the other side where the rest of the service is conducted, including where the Word of God is read. And in liberal churches, there literally is no connection usually between the two, the pulpit, the two pulpits, because the reading does not meet with the sermon. Then in the middle, of the, in the, middle the focal point is the communion table, not the pulpit And that's good Roman Catholicism, but trust me, it's lousy Protestantism. Unfortunately, in fundamental churches, when people come forward to receive Christ, it's called an altar call. And most people in Protestant churches call this area the altar. This is not 
an altar. This is the pulpit area where the word of God is proclaimed. And this area down here is called the Lord's table. When you get married, it is said you bring your bride to the altar. There are no altars in Protestant churches. The last altar in the Christian faith was at Calvary. We don't have altar calls. We don't bring our brides to the altar. We bring our brides and our children and ourselves only to that altar 2,000 years ago where Christ shed his blood once for all. So please do not adopt the language of Roman Catholicism and call this area up here an altar. Listen to Robert L. Dabney. He goes right to the juggler. He says, According to Rome, when the Roman priest officially and with proper intention pronounces the word of the Mass, this is my body, miraculously the bread and the wine are changed into the very body and blood of the living Christ, including his soul and his divinity. Now understand, when that miracle is performed and you pick up that little wafer, it's not, Jesus, it's not just Jesus' physical aspects that are there. It is the complete Christ, body, soul, and divinity, they believe. So when they hold up that wafer, they are holding up to the congregation, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, they believe. And they worship that wafer because it is Christ, and not in a figurative speech, but literally. So the priest literally breaks and offers Christ as a proper sacrifice for the sins of the living and the dead. And that is Christ's person. In all of those little wafers, Christ is physically present. I want you to see how ridiculous and monstrous this is. In all of those little wafers, billions of them all over the world, every single one of them is Christ according to Roman Catholicism. Hence, says Dabney, from their view to elevate and to carry this host in procession and to worship it and carry it is perfectly proper. And then he goes on to say, Rather, such a batch of absurdities is really believed by any reflective mind is not for us to decide. So when you really understand what is supposed to take place at the Mass, there's nothing that's moving about it. There's nothing beautiful about it. It is ugly, monstrous, and repulsive to any real lover of Christ who truly knows what's going on at the Lord's table. This literalistic interpretation imposed upon Christ's words of the institution of the Lord's Supper has been refuted from the Bible time after time after time throughout the centuries. In fact, in order for Roman Catholicism to be based, to be based, its trans, to be based on its transubstantiation in these words of Jesus, it has to take that infamous question of Bill Clinton, what is, is. According to Roman Catholicism, it means to be converted into something from what it really is. Now, you get out any English dictionary, and you try to find somewhere where the word is means to be converted into something. Well, that is the biblical and reformed. Well, what is the biblical and reformed interpretation? It is that the words of institution, this is my body and this is my blood, is a metonym. Do you know what a metonym is? It is a figure of speech that is used commonly in the scriptures 
when there are great mysteries under discussion. Is a figure of speech in which a person, place, or thing is is referred to by something closely associated with it. And we all use metonyms, even if we've never heard of them before. Whenever someone refers to the monarch of England as the crown, you're using a metonym. Whenever you refer to your car as my wheels, you are using a metonym. And the Bible is full of metonyms. There are some places where God's covenant is called circumcision. There are other places where the roasted lamb is called the Passover. There are other places in the Old Testament where the sacrifices are referred to as propitiations. In other words, the turning away of God's wrath, whereas they are really only symbols because only the blood of Christ can propitiate. Remember when Moses struck the rock and water poured out? Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians calls that rock Christ. Really? That rock was literally Christ? No. But it was a symbol of his salvation. It is a metonym. In the sacraments, the name of the visible sign is given to the things signified as when God said to appear to Moses, and it was actually a burning bush. The Ark of the Covenant. You know what it was called in the Old Testament? It was called the face of God. So sometimes when people are said to stand before the face of God, it was the Ark. Now, does that mean the ark is the face of God? No, it is a metonym. It is closely associated with him. We are told the Holy Spirit is a dove. Is the Holy Spirit actually a dove? No, it is a symbol. So you see this figure of speech is used throughout the Bible. For instance, in Peter, it says baptism now saves you. Does water baptism save you from your sins? So that if you're not baptized in water, you go to hell? No. But that which baptism symbolizes saves, which is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So, when Jesus says, this is my body, the point is, that is a metonym. I offer to you the salvation that my broken body and my shed blood accomplished on your behalf. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, the church is Christ. The church is Christ? Scripturally speaking, it is. But he has a physical body apart from us. Jesus used all kinds of figurative statements about himself. He said, I am the door. Did he mean that, he, that you take that literally, that he's a big wooden door? He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So it is obvious what Jesus meant when he used the words, this is my body, this is my blood. And when you understand exactly what he meant by what he said, then you understand it is only possible to take it figuratively. This is my broken body. What did he mean by that? He is saying, this is my dead body. Now, how in the world can you take that literally? When Jesus looks at his apostles, and he is just as alive as them, and he says, this is my dead body. He's not dead yet. And how did the the apostles take it? When they were lying around that table and they heard Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, how did they interpret it? Well, it would be absolutely impossible that they should have understood bread to be literally his body because that same body was handing them the bread. His body would have been in his hand. And how can your hand hold your body? 
Not only that, but Dabney points out from 1 Corinthians 10, the bread is still called bread after the blessing by the minister. And what does Roman Catholicism says? It says once the bread is blessed and consecrated by the priest in worship, it is no longer bread, it is Christ. But in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul continues to call it bread after it's consecrated and blessed. So what did Jesus mean when he said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me? This cup which is poured out for you and this new covenant and, and for you is the new covenant in my blood. Well, the first statement means this offered sacramental bread is symbolic of Christ's body, which is given for us on the cross. The second statement means that this offered sacramental wine is symbolic of Christ's blood poured out on the cross for us to establish the new covenant with all of its promises, its demands and threats which new covenant, Jesus is the mediator. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which means that the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to be a sign and a seal of the new covenant in Christ's blood. And the purpose of Christ shedding his blood was to establish that new covenant. So if you don't know what the new covenant is, you are not going to understand the Lord's Supper, nor are you going to understand the significance of Christ's death. And do you know what the new covenant is? Let's look. Turn with me to two passages in the Old Testament. We're going to turn first to Jeremiah 31 and then Ezekiel 36. These are messianic prophecies as to what Jesus would put in place when he came upon the scene of history, which is the fulfillment of the new covenant and the fulfillment of all the covenants that preceded it. Look at verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. <clears throat> Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And I don't know if you know, but Hebrews chapter 8 applies this statement to the church. Then in verse 33, but this is the covenant which I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they, for they all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So he is saying... Here is what Jesus is going to do when he comes, which he did 2,000 years ago. Here is what's going to take place. He's going to put a new covenant in place, a new bond of friendship with God, and that new covenant is going to have certain blessings in it for those who are participants in it by faith. First of all, he's going to write his law upon their hearts. He's going to give them a new heart, and he is going to write his law on their hearts and give them the desire to obey those laws that are written on stone instead of living by their own will and their own impulses. Not only that, but he says in verse 33, I will be their God and they will be my people. They will live in daily fellowship and communion with me. Verse 34, there will be the global success of the gospel. There will be so many people that, we, that will be converted, that will know Christ, that you will not, or you actually will, have to search high and low to find someone to witness to. Can you imagine that? 
And in the last part of 34, in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will accomplish once and for all the complete forgiveness of their sins so that he will remember our sins against us no more. Now turn to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel's talking about the new covenant, which you have to understand to understand the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and which you have to understand to understand Christ's death because Christ came to put the new covenant in place. And here is what he says the new covenant involves. Verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And of course, those of you who are strong Presbyterians realize that that makes Ezekiel a Presbyterian, right? And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers as you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness and will call for the grain and multiply it and will not bring a famine on you and will multiply the fruit trees and the produce of the land that you may not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Here is what Ezekiel says. Christ would die to put into place. It says that he is going to wash us clean in verse 25 of all of our evil and cleanse us from the filthiness and corruption of sin. He's going to give us a new heart. He's going to take that old heart out and replace it with a heart that's full of love for God, that is responsive to God. And then he's going to put his own Holy Spirit within us, and the Holy Spirit living within us will cause us to walk in his statutes so that we might be careful to observe God's ordinances. Then in verses 28 through 30, it says that he's going to bless every aspect of life for the faithful people of God. And verse 31 tells us that whenever we remember how evil we were before we knew God, we are going to loathe ourselves in our own sight for all of our abominations. Now those are the things, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36, that Jesus died to put into place to bring into your life. I ask you, beloved, are you interested in that? Or were you bored stiff while I was exegeting Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36? Were you listening? Do you care? Beloved, this is what Jesus shed his blood to put in place in our lives. And he said, when you take the Lord's Supper, remember, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. My body was broken, my blood was shed so that you who believe in me can enjoy all the wonderful riches of the new covenant. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And you are here, and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't see it, but there is blood all over you. And it's only through that blood that is covering you that you're going to escape the judgment of Almighty God and enjoy all the rich blessings of the new covenant. Do you understand that? You're not only going to escape the judgment of God, but you're going to enjoy all the rich blessings that come with that new covenant. 
Christ shed his blood. And now by his spirit, he covers you with it. Because you cannot participate in the new covenant unless you are washed in his blood. And the only way you are washed in his blood, figuratively speaking, is when you believe that the only way you can escape God's judgment is through blood. And the only way you can participate in the blessings of the new covenant, understand the Lord's Supper, enjoy the benefits of Christ's death, is through faith in that blood. Therefore, in the Lord's Supper, Christ says, don't forget me. Don't ever put me out of your mind. Carefully remember my person and my salvific work, great and mighty as they are. Don't forget me until I return. I did this all for you. Remember me. This is my body, which is broken for you, and my blood, which is shed to wash away your transgressions. Remember and celebrate and live as individuals and families covered in the blood of Christ. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.